Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 25 minutes now to nine the time. Good morning. Over the last few few years, you would have seen and probably felt the huge impact of the massive rise in crime around the country. In particular, we've seen a huge increase in the number of murders and the violence that accompanies them. This has left many people living in fear. You can imagine uh, what it's like to know there's a high number of murders in the area in which you live. In the meantime, there are important conversations about how best to manage this and how to reduce crime. Within that is an important conversation around where crime is rising and where the murder rate is rising. New analysis suggests that, in fact, murder rates are rising really in four provinces, but not in the other provinces. So then what is happening and why is the murder rate rising in some provinces, but going down in one of them? First this morning, David Bruce, an independent researcher in policing and security at the Institute for Security Studies. He suggests, in fact, there's a big increase in the murder rate in provinces like KwaZulu-Natal, Gauteng and the Eastern Cape, while the murder rate is more stable in other provinces. Then how to respond to this? Dr. Dumasani Mabunda is a senior lecturer and criminologist for police in the Department of Police Practice at the College of Law at UNISA. And finally, TJ Masileles, the chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. We start then with David Bruce from the Institute for Security Studies. David, good morning and thanks for your time this morning. Good morning. We know there's a big increase in the murder rate. You say the murder rate has gone up in some provinces and not in others. What's happening in the different provinces? What's the provincial picture? Right, okay. Well, the the provincial picture is that, um, I think, as you've said, there's four provinces which have notably higher murder rates than the other provinces, and also which have been distinguished by high murder rate increases. The one uh, province which has uh, undergone the highest murder rate increase in the last 10 or 11 years since uh, 2011 uh, 12, the 2011 12 financial year when the murder rate was at its lowest, is KwaZulu Natal. And that the murder rate has gone up by 24 per 100,000, which is um, only marginally more than it's gone up in the Eastern Cape, where it's gone up by 23 per 100,000. So those are the two provinces that have uh, undergone the biggest murder rate increases. And then the Western Cape and Kharteng um, have also uh, experienced big increases in the murder rate. One thing, of course, is that for a long time, uh, the Eastern Cape has been one of the provinces that has either had the highest or one of the highest murder rates in the country. And combined with the substantial increases in the murder rate in the Eastern Cape, it is the province which um, has uh, distinctively uh, the highest per capita murder rate in the country. So in KwaZulu-Natal, can we see why there's such a big increase in the murder rate there? Is it different from other provinces? Could the reasons for its increases be the same as what's happening in the Eastern Cape, or could they be different? Well, one would have to acknowledge that the answers to these questions aren't entirely clear. Um, Some of the differences between um, the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal would appear to be that um, the, the, the prominence of firearms in homicides in uh, KwaZulu-Natal is, is much greater. And so, um, to some degrees, also um, murders within KwaZulu-Natal, there, there's quite a high proportion of them um, concentrated in the Etequini area, um, 
while, um, you, you know, uh, what is it, Nelson Mandela Bay has quite a high murder rate, but, but if you trying to understand um, murder in the, um, in the Eastern Cape, then you're looking at something which is much more distributed across the province, rather than uh, sort of more concentra concentrated in the metropolitan areas. The one province where, uh, which has an exceptionally high um, concentration of um, uh, murders in, in its uh, kind of metropolitan area is the Western Cape, where something like 78% of, of murders are concentrated in, in the Cape Town metro. And so, you know, well, that, that, that's just about the, in some ways, about the, the, the geographic distribution. That's also about the weapons used. One of the, um, you know, some of the thinking behind uh, the, the drivers of um, murder in places like the uh, KwaZulu-Natal and, um, and the Western Cape is that forms of organized crime, gangs and other um, uh, types of organized crime groupings are playing a, a more prominent role in uh, murder in these provinces. But to some degree, what we need to acknowledge is that um, we don't have clear information on these questions at this point. Um, it seemed that the murder rate went up very dramatically after COVID-19. So the lockdown ended and then suddenly the murder rate really started to go up, particularly in the these four provinces. And then it seems maybe the uh, rate of increase has been slowing. Is it possible to know um, if, I don't know how to put this, but murders were just sort of catching up with themselves or the rate will continue to slow down? Or if in fact this is going to be the new normal, I mean, if it's organized crime and guns, then this is going to be, it's more likely that this would be the new normal. It's difficult to answer those questions. What, what, what we should just accept is that, I mean, even 11 years ago, and so, so the murder rate has increased by 50% since uh, it reached a low point of 29.5 uh, uh, 29 by 100,000 in 2011-12, which was its lowest point in the post-apartheid period. And since then, it's gone up to what is now 45 by 100,000. Um, but you know, what we should just accept is that we've got um, entrenched um, serious violent crime. And um, we should be you know, addressing it on that basis. It's not really possible. I don't think there is anyone who can say you know, exactly what the trends are going to be over the next few years. Um, even in the latest quarterly crime statistics, there were some things that were unexpected. Um, for instance, in KwaZulu-Natal, um, over the quarter, um, uh, um, murder dropped quite dramatically. Um, in the Western Cape, it increased um, uh, um, similarly in a fairly dramatic way. And, um, you know, there had been some sense that it was decreasing in the Western Cape. Um, so, so, you know, no one really um, has the, 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 the kind of crystal glass on, you know, how these things are going to unfold. But, you know, basically what we need is to acknowledge that we've got entrenched serious violent crime and we need to have um, a more coherent approach to, to dealing with it. Uh, you suggested in your policy brief that uh, per capita the, crime, the murder rate in the Western Cape has gone down. 
is there anything, and, and I realize this becomes intensely political because the Western Cape Provincial Government would talk about their LEAP officers. Um, I mean, would that be having an effect? Is there something in that? Well, the essential difference between the Western Cape and the rest of the country is that the provincial government has invested um, in what you would call an evidence-based approach to trying to reduce the murder rate. So it's, it's invested in um, trying to understand um, what's driving murder, identifying um, the murder hotspots, and the deployment of LEAP officers to, um, you know, to the, 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 the high violence areas is, is part of its response to that problem. So, um, you know, uh, and so the, 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 the trends in the Western Cape have been distinctively different um, from those in the other three high murder provinces. Um, the, the other three high murder provinces have been um, experiencing very high increases over the last five years, and that hasn't been um, the case in, in the Western Cape, though, as I say, um, just over the last quarter, in particular, um, the, 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 you know, the, the, the um, statistics sort of belied those trends. But uh, so, so, so there is something, you know, objectively, there is something different being done in the Western Cape. Um, it's, you know, it, it's always difficult to say exactly, um, you know, what impact these things are having. But there is some evidence that that, that is having a, a beneficial impact in at least um, um, putting a check on uh, what was a, a very serious um, escalating um, murder trend. David Bruce, thank you very much indeed. Independent researcher in policing and security at the Institute for Security Studies. A quarter to nine, the time your mediated conversation continues around different murder rates in different provinces. Dr. Dumasani Mabunda is a senior lecturer and criminologist in the Department of Police Practice in the College of Law at UNISA. Dr. Mabunda, good morning and thank you for your time. Thank you so much and good morning to your listeners. When we see such an increase in the murder rate in several provinces, and particularly KwaZulu-Natal, and then we look at the situation in the Western Cape, could the difference be about policing or could the difference be other factors in society as well? It could be both. Um, but uh, firstly, let me indicate that um, where there's an influx of, of people from various um, uh, directions, and uh, as they converge in that particular area and they find that the, the, the grass is not greener and they will find all sorts of, of, of um, reasons uh, how to survive in that area. Um, added to this um, is, is, is undocumented um, foreign nationals that are coming into our country. Um, we all know that uh, our borders um, at this stage are porous. And um, some of these people are coming with all dangerous things and um, they use those to, to survive. And we, we need to recognize that uh, South Africa is um, almost in a similar situation um, um, to what we see in, 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 in the war zones where um, uh, the powers that be should recognize uh, the crime as a crisis in a country. 
Do you think the police leadership recognise that there's a crisis? I mean, do we have the right leadership in the police? The SAPS is a huge institution. Um, we spend a lot of money on it, and yet we still probably don't pay police officers enough. Do you think we have the right leadership to deal with this crisis? Um, I, I doubt. If we do, perhaps uh, crime uh, pays. Uh, perhaps um, the more we have crime, is the more they will maintain their positions. Um, I also, I, I need to state this. Um, there should be performance um, agreements that are assessed uh, every now and then. If a manager at a particular station um, has got so much crime um, rates and they are still um, rated highly, then there should be something wrong, um, including the minister. I'm sure he signed a performance agreement with the president and this should be uh, monitored on a continuous basis. If crime, which is your primary responsibility, keeps on uh, rising, then the question is, how is this person being rated? How are these leaders being rated? Um, we all know that uh, good police officers are exiting the, uh, the organization. So what we have is um, we are trying to fill the bucket which is full of holes by recruiting new members and it takes time for them to understand how to deal with crime so we will have this kind of situation for the longest uh, of time um what i want to state before um i, I waste more time uh, we need to start benchmarking why is crime not so high in our neighboring country botswana i have been in that country and I saw police officers walking around and not carrying guns. And I asked them, why are you not carrying guns? They say, said, no. Yeah, uh, citizens understand that um, you will get punished if you commit crime. So why are we reluctant to benchmark on uh, Botswana or Zimbabwe, for that matter, in Namibia? But we seem to be uh, doing our own things. We don't want to look at how other people around us are doing things in terms of keeping uh, crime. I imagine we would also then need to look at um, what's happening in the Western Cape and other provinces. I mean, I, I don't know what the difference might be. Um, we know that different things happen in different provinces. Could there be lessons to be learned from the Western Cape? I think there are good lessons. I hear the Premier there talking about having their own police um, um, personnel there. Um, I, I, I suppose each and every province should start doing that because the police themselves have, have acknowledged that they don't have the required numbers. Uh, you drive around the neighborhood, you hardly see uh, the police van. So it is clear that uh, police cannot be everywhere at all times. But if the powers could be given to provinces to appoint their own police, uh, like in the past, you know, I'm not saying there was good things in the past, but um, there were police um for each and every uh, province. So the crime was not as high as we are having today. So I think the Western Cape um, um, direction should be followed by every other province. Dr. Dumasani Mabunda, thank you. A senior lecturer and criminologist in the Department of Police Practice in the College of Law at UNISA. In a moment, TJ Masalele, Chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. Nine minutes now to nine. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Six minutes to nine, the time looking at the situation around different murder rates in different parts of the country. TJ Masilele is the chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. TJ, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning, Steve. 
You work in Gauteng. There's been a big increase in murders there. The Western Cape has seen a decrease in the last few years. Um, Are there things that we can learn from the situation in the Western Cape? Uh, Are there particular reasons why Gauteng, for example, is one of the provinces with a high increase in murders? Firstly, I agree uh, that any benchmark or any, uh, I think I hear uh, one of the previous speakers talking about us not willing to benchmark even amongst police stations, sometimes uh, provinces. But let's talk about the high number of contact crime, because uh, if you look at the stats of housing, uh, I would say 60% is back at the contact crime. And that leads to, and it tells that it's a, it's, we, are, we are a very violent um province, if I can put it that way, or society. Um, and from there, it moves to to obviously um, uh, GBH and, and so forth, which might lead also to, to uh, um, follow-up, which are then shootings and stuff, your mass shootings that has happened in Gauteng. I think we have a couple of them. Um, not not obviously not not just in KZN also. So I, I agree to some extent that uh, we are just a violent society and uh, it can't be right. There are a couple of other things to this. I mean, two key things that keep coming back uh, to try and uh, look at the increase in violent crime. The one is guns and the other is organized crime. Those are obviously linked to each other. If we were able to reduce the number of illegal guns in this country, we would make a huge difference. And this also requires intelligence-led policing. Do we have proper intelligence-led policing? For some years, I think after um, a, the, 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 the era of uh, general, I think um, they always in the in the intelligence. Uh, we we seem to have taken some kind of a deal. I don't know whether whether it's a question of not having an appetite to close that space. It's not that we don't have resources. It's not like you don't have communities. You don't have. It's not a case that we are unable, but there's no will. There's as and I'll tell you, the intelligence from the community side is always there and it's available and it's for free. But what happens is that the community members will give this and then it comes back. You know, um, you, you give some intelligence and then you are at some point eliminated or threatened or, you know, we, we have seen with the whistleblowers and, and so forth. So, so the, 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 there's no appetite um, to the lawmakers to, to, to uh, protect the intelligence which is which is already available and uh, and and that has to change because like you are correctly saying if you address the issues of gun influx of guns if you address the issue of organized crime half of your problems are gone is there an issue with the current police leadership i mean are they up to this you know steve we, we had a discussion um uh, with some of my friends the weekend and we spoke about the era, the, the pre-94 and the post-94, and, and we agreed that, yes, maybe the, the pre-94 uh, police officers um, are leaving the, 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 the service now because of age and retirement and so forth. But what have we learned from the pre-94 um, that has put good, that we, have, we should have taken to the post-94? The issue of the unions is also a bit of a problem because I know their members are also struggling in terms of resources and numbers. We've been advocating to say that the the one to four hundred policing of a of a police officer is unheard of and it's always going to have problems in terms of policy visibility, but also dockets. You know, uh, one guy sitting with uh, two hundred. Uh, 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 dockets, it's, it's just impossible. What is uh, important would be that if this is a case that it doesn't include 
uh, on a, a high a high flyer crime, I'm just going to have to concentrate on the high flyer crime. It 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 continues to be a human plus technology um, deficiency that that we are not addressing and that we should be addressing so that our kids in the future should change the picture of how are we doing policing. Policing cannot be done the same as when where uh, uh, 1978 or 1984 pre, you have now the kind of technology that, and that technology is called artificial intelligence, which can also help uh, in detecting some of this. So, so hence I'm saying some resources are already here. The appetite to use them is just a problem. The appetite to train people to use that kind of intelligence. I don't want to talk about the community intelligence because, like I said, that is that is always there. That is always there and available. But the trust at times, it, 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 it's, a, it's a problem. Well, I was going to come to that. I mean, uh, communities feel abused yeah. by the police. They don't feel protected. I think they often feel abused. To some extent, like it is. But um, the, and we're giving a lot of intelligence in the community policing space, uh, relations space. Um, and, and, and I can, I can say to you, some, some of our members uh, and community members have given us information that is being utilized and, and resulted in arrest and, uh, and, and so forth, which is, which is a good thing. Even those, if you look at what happened in, in, uh, in Rosatenville, for instance, uh, communities um, will have to, um, we need to build this trust again um, we, uh, at the highest speed because we don't have time. Um, it's, it's, it's just unfortunate that at the, at the pace we are going, we are not going as fast as, as our current level. TJ Masalela, thank you very much indeed. The chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. Do appreciate the time. My thanks also to Dr. Dumasani Mabunda, senior lecturer and criminologist in the Department of Police Practice in the College of Law at UNISA. And starting us off today, David Bruce, independent researcher in policing and security at the Institute for Security Studies. Well, Cathy is next. There's a lot to come uh, over the course of the day.